Our scripture passage today comes from the prophet Micah. It's chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. Before we read this, let us pause for a moment in prayer. Good and heavenly Father, Lord, the giver of all good things, we come today and we thank you for your gift, the holy words of Scripture. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us this word to guide us and to direct us and to teach us and to give us wisdom. And Father, we ask today that the same Spirit that inspired these words would inspire us again today, Lord, that as we read, that we hear, that we may understand, and that we would know your will for us. Lord, bless this holy reading of your holy word, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is the prophet Micah, chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. Listen now. To the word of the Lord. Hear what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the indictment of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth, for the Lord has an indictment against his people, and he will contend with Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Answer me, for I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery, and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, devised, and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered him, and what happened from Shittim and Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what? Shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Remember a few uh, years ago, I was joined a gym for a little while. It's Move Fitness right here in Lexington. And I was probably a member there for about a year and a half. I'd go a few days a week to work out, try to stay fit, exercise, get in good shape, all that kind of good stuff. And I remember going there and seeing the same man there every single day. I showed up to the gym. I mean, there were a lot of people I saw regularly, but there was this one man in particular that I saw every single time I showed up at the gym. He was there when I got there. He was still there when I left. He was there when I came in the morning. He was there if I came in the afternoon. He was there if I came in the evening. I mean, he was always at the gym. And what was kind of remarkable about this guy is he was in real bad shape. I mean, he did not look fit at all. 
And I'm not saying this to be judgmental or to be mean. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a point with this. But so we had this guy, and he, he was not in great shape. And you might think, well, the gym's the perfect place for him to be. But for the year, year and a half that I had my membership, he never got in better shape. Like the first time, between the first time I saw him and the last time, he was in the exact same shape. And if you can believe it, he might have even been in a little worse shape. See, the big problem this guy had was for the year and a half I saw him, every day at the gym, always there, I never saw him work out. Not once. Not once did he get on a, in a, in a, on a machine or a treadmill or an elliptical or join a Zumba class. I'm saying I never saw this guy work out. He would talk a lot. He would hang out at the machines and go from one person to the next but I never saw him actually work out. And he makes a wonderful point for me. It's a point I've always been careful to impress upon people, and that is going to a gym has never helped anybody get healthy. Never worked. Joining a gym doesn't help you get fit. Getting the exercise clothes and putting them on doesn't help you get fit. Even going to the gym does nothing at all to help you get in shape unless you do the work. You've got to do the work. You've got to get in the weight machine and the treadmill and to ride the bike. Without the work, none of those things at the gym help. They're no good. No good at all. And that's true for improvement of any type. You've got to do the work. Now, there's a lot of talk these days about the direction of our country and, and the state of our nation and our people. And I'm going to tell you, nobody's happy with it. Nobody. I don't care who you talk to. The liberals are upset. The conservatives are upset. The young people are unhappy. The old people are unhappy. The middle-aged people are unhappy. Rich people aren't happy. Poor people aren't happy. White people aren't happy. Black people aren't happy. Nobody's happy. We're all talking about the big problems in this nation. No one's happy. And there's, of course, a lot of talk about the solution, what we need to do to get back on track, to make America great again, make us strong again, to get us back on the road to prosperity and goodness again. Now, if you go to a church, people like, well, like us here, you often hear the solution is get back in church. Got to get people back in the church. We got to get them believing again. We've got to have our faith again. We got to get back to our roots as a nation, as a good, God-fearing Christian nation again. Now, on one, one level, I agree 100%. Our faith and our belief in God and our participation in the body of Christ is going to be important fixing our problems as a people and as a nation. But at the same time, at the same time, by itself, this is not going to help. By itself is not going to solve our problems, as in having more people in the church Having more people who call themselves by the name of Christian is not going to help us at all. It's going to be just as effective as going to a gym and not working out. 
having the name of Christian and sitting in a building on Sunday morning is not going to have any change in our nation at all. If we're going to become a better people, we have to do the work. We have to do the work of becoming a better people. Now, this problem we have, all these problems we're having, is they're not unique to us. Human beings have having these problems for as long as for as long as we've been human beings, really. The prophet Micah, if you read in his book, the, the, the man we read from today, in his day, which was all the way back in 750 BC, we're talking about nearly 3,000 years ago, Israel was having some of the same problems. Same problems we're having today. The nation was falling apart. Everything was going wrong. And anybody with eyes and mind could see that, that it was just all just falling apart quicker than they could seem to fix it. Crime was rampant. Violence was rampant. Families weren't families anymore. They were all falling apart. People weren't treating each other like they're supposed to treat each other anymore. Lawlessness and chaos. Everywhere you looked. To make the matters worse, the government wasn't doing their job at all. Property of good, lawful, abiding citizens was being taken from them by the rich and powerful with the help of the kings and with the help of the government. And when, when people went to court to try to get their property back, the judges were taking bribes. Since they were given justice to rulings, whoever paid them the most money. Didn't matter if you were right or not. Didn't matter if the law was on your side. Judges were taking these bribes. And benefiting their friends. The wealthy and the strong were having their way with the world. They were crushing the poor and the weak. And the temple wasn't helping. The priests weren't helping. They were taking bribes too. They were given the blessing for whoever paid them money. And the prophets, they were getting on on the gig as well. I'll give you a good prophecy. I'll tell everyone that God is on your side for the right price. Prophecy for cash. Everything was falling apart. Everyone knew it was falling apart. And Micah comes, the prophet, and he asks a question. He says, can we solve our problems with more sacrifice? He goes, can we bring to you precious sacrifice, God? And that is how we solve our problems. Calves a year old. Or can we do it with a lot of sacrifice, a thousand rams? We dump 10,000 rivers of oil on your altar. Lord, is that going to help us solve our problems? The answer of God was simple. I said, your problems are bigger than that. Your problems are a lot bigger than coming into my temple and dumping oil on my altar and killing some animals. In the same way, our problems are not going to be solved by getting people back in a building or getting more names on the rolls of the church. It'll be just about as good as sacrificing animals or changing our clothes. I mean, don't get me wrong. Being in church is important. And we'll, find, we'll see later in a minute that being in church is actually going to be quite critical. But by itself, just being in church is not going to fix the problems of a broken nation. But God gave his solution to Micah. And his solution was quite simple. He says, what do I want you to do? What am I going to require of you as my people? 
I want you to do justice. I want you to love kindness. And to walk humbly with your God. Do justice. Love kindness. Walk humbly with your God. See, what God wanted from His people was not new laws, not new policies, not new government, not a big social changes. What God was asking of His people is you need to change how you treat each other. That's how we're going to fix this broken nation is you need to change how you treat each other. And that's how we're going to change our broken nation. If we're going to change it at all, we need to change how we treat other people. And God tells us to treat each other with justice, with kindness, with humility. And it all begins with justice. That's where it starts, is treating people with justice. And, and without getting into a big, long philosophical debate about what justice really is, justice is essentially making sure people have their rights, is protecting the rights of everybody. And more specifically, is making sure the law applies equally to every single person, no matter who you are, no matter what your station is, no matter how much money you have or don't have, no matter who you know or don't know, the law applies equally to everybody. And when judges have to make cases, they don't care who you are, who you're born to, or who your family is, or how much money you have. You judge according to the law. Not according to your bias. Now, y'all might think we do pretty good with justice, and on a global scale, we actually do. One of the most just nations here on earth. If you don't believe me, go live in another country for a while, and you'll realize America does pretty good on this. Not great, not great, but pretty good. By, by human standards, we're okay. By God's standards, we still got some work to do. One of the biggest flaws I think we have is, is the fact that big corporations get benefit under the law above and beyond individuals and small businesses. It's absolutely true. If you're a big corporation, you'll get business, you'll get benefits, you get tax cuts, you get incentives. Sometimes they'll throw public money at you. There's a um, professional sports team thinking about moving cities. Telling the city we want to stay, but you got to build us a new stadium and you got to fork over billions, with a B, billions of dollars for our private, for-profit corporation that makes billions of dollars a year to stay in your city. And the city's going to do it. Major League Baseball is free from antitrust laws. They have a monopoly. Everybody knows they have a monopoly and our government protects it. Even here in Lexington County, there is a certain big business, which I will not name, that wanted to come here, but they couldn't operate here because of the laws we had at the time. So what did Lexington County do? We changed the laws. And do we do that for mom and pop bakery shop down the corner? No. And look, I get it. Business benefits, economic benefits, benefits everybody. Sure, I get that. But if justice is treating everyone equally under the law, can we say that's justice? And if we're going to be good people, we have to start by giving justice to everyone. 
But justice isn't enough. Justice needs to be tempered with kindness. And kindness is treating other people the right way. It starts with things like just basic civility and respect and giving honor to everyone. But kindness goes a little bit further than that. It's not being angry. It's giving people the benefit of the doubt. It's putting our anger away. And instead of treating people with cruelty and with anger, we treat them with gentleness, with, with kindness, with empathy. Kindness is what keeps us civil as a people, as a nation. It, it keeps the, the anger and the violence from reaching a boiling point and consuming us. If we're going to be good, we have to be kind. We have to do justice. We have to love kindness. And then we have to walk humbly with God. And humility really is the biggest change in how we treat other people. It's having humility. It's, it's treating them, treating ourselves with humility. And I'm going basic definition of humility here. Not thinking of yourself too highly. Not thinking that you're better than anybody else out there. And if we do poorly on any of these things, justice, kindness, humility, i got to say humility, uh, this is where we fail the most. We're not a very humble culture. I mean, we're bred on the very idea of American excellence. And, and we instill that in every individual. We are a culture of great pride, and we, and we stoke pride in our children from a very young age. Tell them, oh, you're a firework, you're a, you're a shining star, you're a special snowflake, and you're the brightest star in the sky, and you were extra special, and you were just the best, most loving, greatest person that's ever walked the earth. And we tell them that every single day. Not a very humble way to raise our children. And when I talk about humility, I'm not talking about self-abasement, saying that I'm an awful, I'm a terrible person, kind of like Eeyore was in uh, Winnie the Pooh. Thanks for thinking of me. <laughs> Humility is just about being honest about who you are. And you were just a human being. That's all. Like the rest of us. Just another human being. No better. No worse. No more deserving. No less deserving. Being humble means we don't expect special treatment. We don't think the exception is all about us. So we get to cut the line. We get to go through all the red tape. We get the special treatment because it's us. Being humble means realizing this world isn't yours. It also means realizing the road doesn't belong to you. You want to test the humility of a culture, see how much road rage they have. You think that's an anger issue? It's not an anger issue. That's a humility issue. You need to get out of my way. You're not driving the way I want you to. This is my road. I'm letting you drive on it. But humility changes how you treat other people. Because if you are humble, if you are truly humble, you will act as if everyone else is just as good as you. Everyone else is just as deserving as you. Everybody else we share this planet with, just as worthy as you are. 
we're going to be good, we've got to be humble. But it's not just humble, not just plain humility. It says, walk humbly with God. And the walking with God part is essential to all of these. We have to acknowledge that God is the source of our justice. God is the source of our kindness. God is the reason for our humility. God is the source even of our peace and our prosperity. Walking with God is how we can transform ourselves from an unjust, unkind, arrogant people who think we can do it all on our own to a people who do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. Justice and kindness don't make sense without knowing God. Humility is foolishness without knowing God. Our knowledge and walk with God is the beginning of every virtue. It is the power behind every strength. It is the source of every hope. It is the source of our goodness as a people and as a nation. And it all begins in a walk with God. Knowing and acknowledging Him and He alone as our God. And I guess that does make church kind of a big deal. It does make church as an important, a crucial piece in, in fixing the problems of this broken nation. I mean, Jesus did tell us, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, then I will be there in your midst. So every time we gather like we are here today, more than two or three of us gathered here in the name of Jesus, he is in our midst today. Here is where we gather with God. Here is where we worship God together. Here is where we acknowledge Him as God together. Here we seek Him as our God together. Here we learn about Him as our God together. But we have to be honest. Sitting here in this church is not going to heal our nation. Sitting in any church, no matter where it is, is not going to fix our problems. Is church important? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's critical. This is where we learn how to walk with God. This is where we hear about the justice of God. This is where we preach about the kindness of God. This is where we, hopefully, gain humility. Because here's where we walk with God. But it's got to be more than a name. It's got to be more than a building. It has to become who we are. And we can't come here out of habit. We can't come here because that's just the way we were raised. We, we can't come here because when we come here, we, we feel better than other people when we do. We have to come here because this is our Father's house. And this is where we belong. This is where we get fed. This is where we get strengthened. This is where we come to, to do our spiritual workouts. But to get the benefit, you have to do the work. And when we leave here, if we're not being more just, if we're not being more kind, if we're not being more humble, we're not being His children.
Now, friends, we can spend all day complaining about the problems of this world. We can spend hour after hour trying to figure them out. We can expend the lots of energy pointing the finger, telling what the cause of this problem is, of that problem, and, and how we can figure it out and how we can fix it. And trust me, I'm the greatest transgressor of that sin. I'll talk with you all day long about the problems of this world and how I can fix them. We can do that. We can try to live out the simple solution that God has given us. Do justice. Love kindness. Walk humbly with God. Only one of those ways is going to heal a broken nation. To God be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.